The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And we'd like to welcome you to another edition of Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio, out on the web at linewsradio.com. I'm your host, Bob Vecchio. Spotlight on Long Island Schools is brought to you by the Nassau Suffolk School Boards Association, serving Long Island School Boards since 1959. This week in our Spotlight, it's a special issues segment, and all over the news, you can't help but see it, hear it, and probably have experienced some of the fallout from it. We're talking the issues of cybersecurity. And for those residents in Suffolk County and elsewhere in Nassau County and throughout our country, attacks on our municipality computer systems, private company systems, school systems is nothing new. But it is getting more brazen, more expensive, and some things that schools and municipalities need to be aware of to take some proactive preventive measures because this becomes a very costly, costly thing as we are seeing firsthand here in Suffolk County, if not done correctly. And we are pleased to be joined with Mr. Brian Busto from the Cybersecurity Group. Brian, welcome to Spotlight on Long Island Schools. And uh, listen, this show couldn't be more timely uh, as far as the topic goes. And you guys have been kind of busy over the last few years. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show, Bob. It's been very busy. And, uh, you know, the, the recent outcomes of Suffolk County, uh, the breaches that have happened of late are are very concerning. Um, we've seen a lot of new information come out, come about in the last uh, in the last few weeks. Social Security numbers, uh, the employees of Suffolk County. Uh, it's it's definitely a concerning situation that's progressively getting worse. Yeah. And listen, this is not about picking on Suffolk County because sophisticated systems have been hacked into and attacked. Uh, if you're a healthcare provider, you're very cognizant of your infrastructure and your software systems because you have private health information that's stored out there. And if there's a breach there's some big financial penalties per occurrence, per record uh, for school districts. Right. And this show is about schools. We have protected student information out there and it's protected under FERPA, federal law and everything else. But operationally, it, it even goes beyond the information that could be preached. It's just the operations. I mean, most systems are. You know, voice internet protocols just for your phone systems, let's say, and student data centers and online learning. I mean, you know, the, the shutdown, most schools went to an, an online platform because they had to. And some of them have kept it because there is advantages to it for certain students and so many things that we do. I mean, you know, we're, we're doing this show via an online platform that, you know, if, if you get shut down, you shut down. And for some shut down means out of business. So from a very like 30,000 foot perspective, talk to us as far as if you were sitting down with a potential client who's a school district, what are some of the things that they should be looking into, both from a budgetary standpoint, staffing standpoint, infrastructure standpoint? Talk to us about some of the conversations you've had with folks who say, you know, I saw this in the news about another school district in Nassau County. We've had some high profile ransomwares and 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 things like that happen to Long Island schools in addition to schools across the country. What are some of the things you're telling potential clients or existing clients these days? Yeah, so uh, the first part is really performing that 
assessment to understand like where they are today. Um, and, you know, we're kind of looking at the different things that they're doing, but we're really trying to focus our efforts on training and security awareness within uh, school districts, for sure. Um, the school districts have really had some difficulties in the area of cybersecurity. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of different uh, issues with the unions and the, the different teachers, um, organizations that, um, you know, cybersecurity wasn't really part of their job. And to try and get them to do something different, like a training session or one of these uh, MFAs to install on their phone, which would be, you know, it, which is very uh, considered cyber hygiene today. Um, we're running into some difficulties. So we're trying to change that uh, cyber landscape there and really start to introduce more, um, more cybersecurity training within the district. Um, a lot of that really has to come from the top at the board level. You know, they need to set that governance and, uh, and, and you know, push that narrative to develop those training platforms because without them, you know, users don't know what they need to do. Uh, you you can't you can't leave somebody responsible to do something that that they haven't been trained on. So that training includes understanding what personal data is, what that district considers to be personal data. You have IEP data. You have all this type of information that is freely f flowing through the district nowadays, and that stuff should not be. So I have on often many cases at this point. Uh, had phone calls and different um, instances where I've received uh, I've received a call saying so and so just sent out a ton of social security numbers so and so just sent out all this IEP information and you know a lot of that is just the user awareness they just don't know so to me the first place that needs to be focused on in any school district district is a heavy presence to cybersecurity awareness and once that gets developed a lot of good starts to come out of that. So budgetary wise, we definitely want to put the most amount of money into that area. Unfortunately, what's happened in the school districts, we ran, you know, COVID came along and we kind of pushed the systems. Uh, you know, everybody went into an immediate digital transformation by all the remote learning and, and uh, everything that followed that. And almost every district has kept that in place. It is now a good backup uh, operation to, to deliver uh, the curriculums. But uh, we kind of ran into it. And we, we so when you think about the, the NIST framework, which the school districts are responsible to abide to, the, that framework is identify, detect, and protect. And we kind of went into the detect and protect without knowing what the identify stage was. So what's happened here is most school districts don't really understand what their assets are and not knowing the assets makes it very difficult to make those business decisions and determine where you need to spend that money. You know, what systems you need to protect? How do you put the extra protections in place on these type of systems that have this more sensitive data? So we're trying to get the, the districts to kind of take a step back and look at it from a higher level view, kind of holistically at this point, to, to start to learn what they have, what data is in their environment, and what they need to protect. Because, you know, ev obviously every district has a budget to work off. Uh, 
And that budget is a certain amount of dollars that need to be put into those different buckets. But we need to put more into the cybersecurity uh, component and be able to determine what these specific assets are and all these different components. And one, one of the other important things, I think, is today, uh, most every school district that I've come across, the IT department is, is making all the cybersecurity decisions. And that's not really the way we should be operating. Um, I'm not saying that the IT people aren't responsible enough to make those decisions, but the decisions that they're trying to make they don't have the, the footing behind them to have them go through because it involves changes in the organization. And, and that's where we're seeing a really, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a, a, of a wall trying to break that trend so that it can kind of go back to the board level, have them develop the, the strategies for the district, and then have them propagate down from the superintendent to information security and all the different departments. Yeah, so it's it's a budgetary item, both in in terms of intra, infrastructure, software, and 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 hardware that needs to be implemented. But a lot of it is staff, staff training, and proper staff in the roles necessary to monitor uh, and and help with the trainings. And you know, simple things like trainings about email and the email attachments and and things like that, because most attacks come from the outside via an email hook up and link and inadvertently giving away a password in addition to the violation of sending data that's not secured. So there's a lot to consider and a lot to unpack for school districts and municipalities. And, you know, we talk about school districts and we don't think in terms of a cyber attack, what could be the implications when an entire system is brought down? Well, one example, if the phone systems go down, and there's an, a rumor of an issue going on in one of the school buildings and parents are now trying to contact the school because they've heard something on social media and they get a busy signal or it just doesn't go through at all. It's going to cause a panic beyond a panic for a crisis that really isn't there. And again, that's just one small real life example. And I'm not making that up. That's happened elsewhere of why cybersecurity in schools, municipalities, and even our own personal lives is so important. We're speaking with Brian Busta from the Stetson Cyber Security Group, and we're going to learn more about some of the protections that schools, municipalities, and yes, you as individuals may take on a proactive basis to protect your information, to protect your employer's systems, more importantly, and what we should be looking for going forward. Cybersecurity is our issue. Spotlight on Long Island Schools is the show. And yes, cybersecurity in schools goes hand in hand these days. You're listening to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 1039 LI News Radio. Out on the web at linewsradio.com. Check out our Facebook page, Spotlight on Long Island Schools. That's your place to suggest a program, club, or activity that your schools are involved in. And your district may be the next one right here in our spotlight. More with Mr. Busto when we come back after the break. like to welcome you back to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio, out on the web at linewsradio.com. Spotlight on Long Island Schools brought to you by the Nassau Suffolk School Boards Association, serving Long Island School Boards since 1959. Bob Vecchio, continue our conversation with Mr. Brian Busto from the Stetson Cybersecurity Group. And listen, to learn more about them, go to Stetson 
cg.com and the services that they offer. And we were talking cybersecurity and how it impacts schools and even beyond schools. We'll get a little into personal protection as well. But Brian, you know, sometimes we touched on the training and having proper staff involved and making the proper investment. And, you know, one of the lessons learned for sure about any of these incidents, you know, you have to be very proactive with your investment to protect your assets, right? You know, it's expensive to be cheap. You might be saving on this end, but it's going to be a lot more expensive on the back end if it's not done right. Talk to us about the issues of like cybersecurity insurance, what it is, what it isn't. We know it's changed very much and what some of the insurance companies are requiring before they take on somebody with a policy. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, the cybersecurity, uh, cyber insurance uh, industry is changing quite a bit now. Um, if anybody has received a checklist from their cyber insurance company of late, it used to be a one-page effort. Now it's a 14, 19, 20-page effort. Uh, and they're asking very specific questions on the infrastructure that you have in place. Uh Cybersecurity insurance is a shared risk. So you're not offloading everything to the insurance company. You are sharing that risk with them. So you have as much responsibility as they do to meet the requirements of what they've set forth that you've said that you are, are in compliance with. So when we look at these checklists nowadays, they're, uh, they're, they're extremely detailed and they are asking questions like, do you have certain policies in place? Have you tested those policies? Your antivirus, does it, it's not just an antivirus. Does it have EDR, which is detection response capabilities? Does it have all these different features with it? And they're asking these questions. And if you say yes to any of those and misrepresent what you have in place, that cyber insurance policy will not be paid on for any type of incident that, you, that you've experienced if it's related to one of those items. Um, a lot of what the, what the cyber insurance company is doing, if you look down those lists, you'll see them. There are a lot of yes and no questions. And one, for example, that we see quite frequently is, do you employ multi-factor authentication throughout the organization or on all, all remote access systems? And it's a yes, no answer. And what does that mean? Multi-factor authorization for the layperson out there who, you know, what, what do I know what multi-factor authorization is? Yeah. So multi-factor authentication is a method when you're logging into a website or your uh, email account, and it will either send you a text message or you'll, you'll use a token as a second factor to, to actually say that this is you. So this is something that you have. So basically those multi-factor factor points are valuable because they help to reduce a hacker from accessing any of your accounts by just using a password, which that password may have been compromised on the web or anything such like that. So these multi-factor uh, questionnaires are on these cyber insurance policies, and it's a yes, no. And basically what happens is if you say yes to that and one account that you had compromised is the one account that ransomware was deployed through your system or environment, and they can prove back and through forensics that that account was the compromised account, your policy is now null and void. So it's very, um, it, it, it's, it's, you have to be very careful and 
you have to know who's filling these forms out for you and make sure that they're informed on how they're answering these questions. And I know a lot of internal auditors are also now auditing the integrity of the systems. The New York State Comptroller has always been out there talking and looking at the access to systems, who has access and password maintenance and things like that. And I'm sure that's going to ramp up a lot more for school districts going forward. But let's shift gears a little bit and get away from this the school district governance perspective. But let's talk about personal protections that folks could take, right? Because almost every staff member, I would say probably 90% of the staff in schools have school district issued email. And you mentioned something earlier, you know, something that they have to put on their phone. You know, most of us access our emails through our phone, right? We don't have to be attached to the school computer or the company computer or whatever. You're accessing it remotely. What are some of the protections that an individual should take and the role that they play in protecting not only their own personal data, but say systems that they're connected with. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, that, that come to mind. Um, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just talk about a few of the examples of some of the things that I do. So emails are one of the uh, probably most, uh, most ways, but it's probably the most important way to protect yourself. And, and why do I say that? Because they're at 88 to 90% of breaches today are caused from some sort of an email or a phishing campaign or something along those lines. So what happens? Generally, people don't look at the email's details. And that's really the most important part to it. So looking at the name that it came from, um, clicking on that name, making sure that it's not the same name of somebody in your company or a friend that has it's at Gmail instead of what they normally would have. It's looking at those links and determining if those links are actually going where they're supposed to go. So if you hover over any link, you can look and see, it'll say chase.com forward slash whatever link it's going to. Um, you can also what, what my recommendation is, uh, you'll probably see a lot of emails that come in that say your Apple account needs, uh, needs you to log in to, to verify something or your Amazon account. I never use the links in those emails. I always go to the site and then you look in your notifications. If it's not there, then I delete that email. So those are some like really simple precautions that can help keep you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. And like, I know I've gotten emails, you know, from United Parcel, you know, something about a package. And I know I don't have a package coming, but like you said, you look at the sender address has nothing to do with UPS and it's masked, right? Because it'll come through UPS. But then when you look at the details, that's critically important. What are some of the other pieces of advice that you would give uh, uh, staff in a school building in particular, some simple precautionary tap? Uh, steps to of what to look for. Uh, so in in emails, um, you, you know, you 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 want to always look for anything that. Well, first of all, anything that comes in that you're not expecting, you should always take that extra precaution to assure that you know it's it's from the person that you're expecting it to be from. And be leery um, of attachments too, right? Any attachments. Uh, so. Windows has a nice feature built in it called Sandbox. It's a little feature that you can enable. So what I like to do 
is uh, you you can open up Sandbox. It's just like a little teeny program that's on your Windows 11 or 10 computer. And you can actually put the document in there or you could put the link in there and you can actually open it and it stays within a, uh, you know, within a sandbox environment. So it gives you some options to check it. But any, uh, any, any um, attachment, if you happen to click one, if that attachment asks you for credentials, that's also, you, that's also a problem generally. I always, again, recommend if it's, let's just say, a UPS attachment, go to UPS's site and look up the information and see if it's pertinent or not. All right. We're speaking with Brian Busto from the Stetson Cybersecurity Group, StetsonCG.com. Is that right, CG? I said yes, that right, yes, cybergroup.com. Yes. Uh, talking about cybersecurity issues for school districts, municipalities, and individuals. Brian, in the last two minutes, what are some of the last things that you want to make sure our listening audience is aware of about where we're going going forward? So, you know, I, the, the thing is, is that no matter what protections we put in place, there's groups, there's hacking groups, there's nation states that are trying to bypass those systems. So it's really important to be diligent about everything you do, especially when it's IT and computer related, use any resources that you can. If you have IT departments, if you have uh, friends that are in the IT space, you know, always take that second, that second step to confirm that what you're doing is right. It, you know, you, you just don't want to do the wrong thing because it can get you in a lot of trouble. As really quickly as a, as a certified hacker, I, use all the information I could find on people. And, and that's how I try to compromise them. So I do all this research on Facebook, all these LinkedIn sites, all your different Instagram sites. And I grab all that and I develop password uh, criteria. I develop all these different things to try and compromise you. You'd be amazed at how much information we put out there voluntarily that could be easily pieced together. And next thing you know, you're dealing with a nightmare. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us on Spotlight on Long Island Schools. And again, check out his website because sometimes you need the consultants to come in and help you out. Most times you do stetsoncg.com and cybersecurity issues are not going away and they're just going to get more sophisticated. And as we become more and more reliant on technology for our lives, it becomes more important to be proactive, protective, identify, detect, and hopefully recover quickly and hopefully not too expensively as well. You listen to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio. Again, out on the web at linewsradio.com. We want to thank you for tuning in each and every week to hear about the pertinent issues that are impacting our schools island-wide and the students and the programs that they're in. Thanks for tuning in. Stay well, stay healthy. Until next time. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.